Friends, let us pray. Let your word, O God, break open our hearts today. Through your spirit, guide us into this holy week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today's epistle lesson is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Hear this Christ hymn. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Perhaps you've noticed over the years that Holy Week hasn't caught on in quite the same way as the two Sundays that bookend these days. Palm Sunday, sure, what's not to love? The pageantry, the joy of the processional, which we certainly miss this year, don't we? A waving of the palm branches. Thank you for uh, bearing with Ernest and my um, minuscule attempt to provide that, uh, that experience. And singing all glory, laud, and honor. At least we could sing that hymn this morning. And what's better than those Palm Sundays when the skies are blue, when there's no white precipitation floating down, And we can begin the morning parade in the chapel and head outside over there through the parking lot and down the sidewalk and into the waiting throngs of people in this sanctuary. I'm just going to hold on to that memory for just a moment with hopes of a return to normal next year. And Easter, absolutely. In a normal year, we would have the brass, the big resurrection hymns, every organ stop pulled out, the hallelujah chorus, and all those lilies. Not to mention the Easter bunny and baskets and eggs for those who care about the cultural experience. This year is atypical. Shockingly so. We are still adapting to this time of pandemic. We're still spinning. It's all we can think about. And if ever there was a year not to jump straight from Palm Sunday to Easter, this is it. If ever there was a year to dwell deeply in the Valley of Holy Week, 2020 is the year. If there was ever a year to mind the events between Palm Sunday's Hosannas and Easter's Hallelujahs, this is the one. 
In fact, this year, I'm not sure we have any choice. However, for all of its starkness and its lack of popularity, even among church folks, it's not something we need to fear because we will learn something about ourselves. We will encounter gospel. And in the midst of its seriousness, we might even find a way through our present moment. So we start with Hosanna. We have to start there. We have to start with the Hosannas that accompanied Jesus when he rode into Jerusalem. Hosanna means, save us. The crowd shouted, save us. They shouted in jubilant fashion because they thought they were getting a political savior. They wanted a hero, one that would overthrow the evil empire with a great show of force. But instead of a Messiah for the present day, what they got was a humble servant who would carry out God's saving work for all time. What the crowds thought they wanted was actually so much less than what Jesus was prepared to give. It was so much less than what God in Jesus would take on during the darkness of Holy Week. You see, their hosannas didn't last very long. They only lasted for the duration of Jesus' ride on that donkey. But the hosannas that we raise, we need to shout them all week long, not just today. We need to sing them throughout the pandemic, not just the hosannas of praise, but the hosannas of salvation. Save us, O God. Save your people. Save us from the things we don't even know we need saving from. So today we must start with Hosanna. And this evening, when the virtual parade is over, Holy Week invites us to follow Jesus into the temple, where Matthew says, in a fit of righteous anger, he confronted those who turned a house of prayer into a house of theft. He saw the tables of the money changers and pushed them over. He saw the loan sharks and price gougers and kicked them out. And then he went back to do what he always did, which was to heal people and bring them to wholeness. Can that be a word of grace for our time? Can it speak to these days of fear where some hoard desperately needed supplies and others propagate scams to profit from someone else's misery? The Jesus who confronted the thievery of his time confronts it now. And then tomorrow, Holy Week will invite us to follow Jesus again, this time back into the temple where the chief priests and elders questioned his authority to drive out those thieves, where they challenged his prerogative to teach and heal people in God's name. So if Jesus was present in that crisis of authority, could he also be present in our own? Could he also be present where scientists and politicians are at odds with one another, masks or not, lockdowns or business as usual? 
The Jesus who was present then is present now. Then Holy Week will also invite us to follow Jesus into his lament over the plight of Jerusalem. And if he lamented over that city, doesn't he also lament over the plight of Rochester, of New York City, of Spain and Italy, and every viral hotspot around the world? The one who lamented then laments with us now. These days after Hosanna will invite us to follow Jesus even further, to where he foretold the coming destruction of Jerusalem, of the Jerusalem temple, and to where he deeply grieved over the suffering to come. And if he grieved over that, surely he grieves with us as we wonder how many more will die during this pandemic and how much worse it's going to get. The Jesus who mourned then mourns with us now. Holy Week will beckon us to follow Jesus into the looming shadows where certain religious leaders plotted to kill him. And if he faced those death threats then, Surely now he stands with our nation's top infectious disease expert as he faces threats to his own life. The Jesus who stood in the face of those threats stands with those who are dealing with them now. The week, this week, this holy week, will also ask us to follow Jesus to the home of the woman who anointed him with costly oil and lavished him with deep love and devotion. And if he was present in that sacramental act, couldn't he also be present with all who are ill or dying now as they receive the sacramental acts of love and care by those who tend them on the front lines? Couldn't he even be present with you now as you creatively devote yourselves to those in need around you? The Holy Week journey will then motion us toward the Passover meal where Jesus blessed bread and broke it and shared it with his disciples. And if Jesus shared in that sacrament, surely he shares in the sacrament of bagged lunches and groceries that we hand out here on Mondays and Thursdays and Saturdays and that are shared from rec centers and emergency food programs all throughout this city. And Holy Week will call us into the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed for God to take his suffering away, and where he now prays with and for people around the world who are asking God to take away their suffering. It will call us to the place where he was betrayed and arrested, even as we pray Jesus' presence with those who get fired for sounding the alarm about this pandemic. It will call us to the place where Peter denied Jesus out of fear 
And yet, Jesus loved him anyway. Just as we deny Jesus in our own way because we are afraid too. And still, Jesus loves us anyway. Holy Week will invite us into the shocking story of Jesus' sham trial and crucifixion. In a world overcome by a virus that Elizabeth Palmer likens to a crown of thorns, this week asks us to think on the cross where Jesus emptied himself completely and gave up his life for the forgiveness of sin, for the healing of all of creation's brokenness, and for the salvation of the whole world. For when you really, really love someone, you give it all you've got. You pour out everything of yourself. And finally, the week ahead will coax us all the way, yes, all the way to the place where he was laid. In Jerusalem, at the end of the Via Dolorosa, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, under its massive dome is a stone monument. This stone monument encloses the tomb, where tradition says is where Jesus lay buried for three days, and where he rose from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. I made that pilgrimage last May. It was great. And as with all of the traditional sites of Jesus' life in Israel and Palestine, save for perhaps the Garden of Gethsemane, there's really no way to know whether that's the exact site of Jesus' tomb. I, for one, remain skeptical that it was. But it felt important to wait in line and to go in there anyway because that's what countless pilgrims of faith have done over the centuries. And when we got to the entrance of the monument, we could enter just a few people at a time, four at most. I really didn't expect much from the experience, and we had only a few moments to kneel down beside the stone slab. On one side of me was my husband, Brad, On my other side was a Greek Orthodox priest. He leaned over, he kissed the tomb, and he rested his forehead on it. Intrigued, I decided to partially follow his lead, not by kissing the tomb, but by resting my own forehead on it in the dark in the silence, in the starkness, on the cold, heavy slab. And to my surprise, I found that experience profoundly moving, profoundly holy, despite my misgivings. Friends, if there is ever a year not to jump straight from this week's Hosanna to next week's Hallelujah, this has to be it. For it's in the middle where we will find Christ Jesus himself, who did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, 
but emptied himself, humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the story we need to inhabit all of this week. It's a story we invite you to hear fully on Maundy Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on this YouTube channel and again on Good Friday throughout the day. To live in the depths of Jesus' journey. And then, as a quote by Louis L'Amour says, there will come a time where you believe everything is finished. That will be the beginning. In our ritual work of Holy Week, of processing with Jesus on his dramatic journey from Palm Sunday to the Passion, from Jerusalem triumph to trial by Pilate, from cheers to crucifixion, from applause to agony, in these reenacted rituals and in the ways we understand our own experiences today in light of this story, we open ourselves to the possibility of God changing us. And only then, only then, can we truly shout, Hallelujah. Amen.